Well, hello, and welcome to the Parallel Leaders Podcast. Today, we're doing a coaching call. That's right, with Charmaine Evans of Evans Trucking. This company was established in 1995 and started with one truck, which grew to a fleet of 60, an intentional company about culture in the workplace. This conversation focuses mainly around what is lost throughout time where culture isn't intentionally taken care of. Let's go to that call now. Hi, Charmaine. Welcome to the podcast. So good to have you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your business and what you guys do? Sure. Thanks, Pastor Kelly, uh, for having me. I'm honored to be here. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we have a trucking company and a mechanic shop, and we've just started a construction company, well, a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, various other little projects that we do. So, um, yeah, we started trucking about 27 years ago with one truck yeah and uh and now i think we just topped over 60 trucks 60 wow 60 yeah yeah and um yeah and our sons now are stepping into leadership and and uh ceo positions and we are slowly doing that and taking on new roles as uh owners and partners with our sons so we feel super blessed that's so cool I, and i got a tour of your facility not that long ago when you guys just moved in and was blown away by the scope of it all but it was really fascinated by the fact that you had uh you know a map tracking where all these trucks were and you guys were all over north america so how yeah. far do yeah how far do you guys generally go all 50 states yeah. and we've started now of course with uh, our covid uh complications yeah. uh, we started doing more of canada than we have done in the past um, and yeah, you, so you got a tour of our inaugural construction project. That was our first project for our construction company. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, our boys have definitely brought us into the, um, the future with trucking. Trucking tends to be sort of an older, you know, they were faxing long before everyone else was no <laughs> longer faxing. Right. So the boys have definitely brought us in, you know, on that tech side of things and, yeah, we're we're on the leading edge of a lot of that. So, yeah, probably something George and I never would have done on our own. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very very exciting and and very cool to see. Now, in the in the case of of 25, 27 years of of running a business and going from one truck to to now over 60 and multiple companies, we're talking about culture this year. So let's 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 go. Let's dive a little. You had some questions around culture and and all of that and the scope of running culture with one truck, yeah. <laughs> versus three companies and and sixty trucks has got to be a lot more complex. For sure, I think it's um, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about we're reading the books and a lot of times these leadership books they're giving us language for the things we've been trying to do or, you know, figuring our way through. So certainly when you're one truck and then two or three, um, and some of those are, are our first drivers were friends and family. And, and so culture, we didn't know we were creating culture, but we definitely knew that we wanted to do things and run our business in a way that honored God. Right. And so, um, but we've definitely, we didn't know we were creating culture. We were just kind of being us, but as the company grows and you're certainly hiring people and bringing people in, as you're reading these books, you, you feel like 
we were kind of doing it, but we didn't have language or a format for it. Right. So we kind of feel like we're coming at it from behind mm-hmm. and with a larger company. And our sons absolutely recognize the importance. And of course, they're reading as many, if not more books than than we are um, and on it. And so I think, but it's a little bit of trying to create it from the backside of it right. and then bringing people into it and modeling it. But, you know, Yes. The difficulties therein in trying to create it, not from the front, but from the back. Yes. You bring up a couple of really good points that I think is important for everyone to to understand is that culture, it happens by default or by design. So culture is going to happen whether you're aware you're creating it or not. It is going to be, it's going to be happening because culture is really based on behaviors and it's the easiest way to define culture is well that's the way we do things around here so you the way we do things around here is going to happen by default on by accident by personality by how you guys do things and then it happens or it happens by design and going no this is how we want things to happen around here this is this is how we're trying to recreate what is your gifts your strengths your values and trying to recreate that into behaviors with the rest of the organization. So right. Or making mistakes and then saying that can't happen again. So what needs to change? Yes, absolutely. So when you're coming from like when the feeling, I understand when you say the feeling of coming from it behind, when you read these books, they're putting language to behavior, you know, creation and, and standards. And I think a lot of times, uh, and I, I love the fact that a lot of authors and, Leadership uh, experts now are really diving into culture. There's more books and leadership teachings and and training on designing culture and paying attention to culture. I think many times for too long, people were focused on, you know, have a clear vision and have, you know, clear mission statements and, and these kind of things. And the focus was on that, which is great. But then realizing, I think a lot of leadership experts went, well, we can create a a vision statement, a mission statement, but uh, there's something that's more powerful than those, and it doesn't change. We 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 did what we were told to do. We did what the book said, but our company didn't change. What happened? Well, they discovered that culture trumps vision, trumps mission. That the behavior that happens is is it's important to have a mission statement. It's important to have a vision because that gives you direction of where you're going. But it's also very important, vitally important, to pay attention to the behaviors and do the behaviors of the employees uh, and the interaction with the employees with your customers, the interaction with employees with one another, the interaction with you know the expectations of, of what excellence is and what, what you deem as excellence and what they deem as excellence. Is it clear? Is, 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 that, is that something that is behaved on every single day, every moment? You know, or do they? Is their idea of good enough different than your idea of good enough? And when you when we don't understand those things, it doesn't matter what we have hanging on our wall. The behavior of what's done every single day is actually what's going to trump, regardless of the standard. So you can see this in multiple companies who have share their values, and then you have an experience with that company, and the experience is different than what you see hanging on the wall. Culture trumps vision, so. Coming from behind is going, how do we now, with a large company, multiple companies, how do we now create that behavior, that standard that go that is now the new employees coming in? 
will just suddenly march to the beat, whether they are told it or not. They're just going to know, oh, this is the expectation here. This is the standard here. This is what happens. So there's a multiple keys that I think are important. And I think one of the things that that um, I've learned and that we had to do here, um, because I took over a, a very established organization that had been here before, and then I came in and I was like, okay, there's, you know, the behaviors weren't matching the vision. And so one of the things that I did is I took our core leaders and we went into, uh, you know, we, we did it over a period of three months. We did a staff meeting for every Monday morning for an hour. We, uh, we did a staff meeting for a period of three months. And I started that staff meeting by teaching on what culture is and, you know, how to, you know, how to design culture and anything that I could possibly get my hands on on culture, I'd started to teach it so that we had a clear understanding. And then I would teach for about 15 minutes and then on culture and highlight culture and aspect of culture and behaviors. And then I opened it up to all of our, to the core leaders and said, okay, what do we value most? What do we deem as most important? And what, do, what kind of workplace and work environment do we want to create? What kind of one do you want to come to work with? When were you, which, you know, what kind of environment would you be proud to be a part of? And I would come at it an, ang an angle of behavior with our staff and ask it uh, in multiple different ways. Over that's why I did over a period of three months. And right. I would just, I would right. just, and I'd say, okay, so how do we want to treat one another? What's our expectation? Well, we want this. And, and, and I just wrote down on a big whiteboard everything that they spoke and just and wrote it all down. And then I kept it up there, kept it on that whiteboard for you know, for the next week. And then we'd come in and going, okay, how do we think we should treat our customer or the people that are coming in? How, how do we, you know, what do we value about for us as a church? So how do you value, what do we value about how you got treated best at a church or how you saw something you didn't want to do? Or how, you know, what is good, bad? How do we treat the people coming in? And then how do we treat, you know, then how do we behave, um, you know, as a staff and how do we behave with one another how do we behave with the people? How do we behave in, in our deliverables? What's, what's most valuable to us? What do we like? We talked about excellence and people valued excellence. People valued creativity. And we'd put different language on it. And for the period of three months, we gathered, gathered all of that information. And then we had, and then toward the end of those three months, then I looked at everything that was written on this big whiteboard. And I began to saying, well, this is similar to this. And we began to circle one thing and then we narrowed Condensing it and we condensed it. it similar things and going this could be part of this and this means this and we condensed it down to 10, 10 similarities and we're like okay and then once we had 10 similarities we then um we then put a, a phrase to each one of those we value or we aim to or we will be and put a phrase that that accentuated that behavior that we all said we valued and and we did that together now we've condensed that down to four <laughs> right because we looked That's at those a job in itself it's a job and it's it was over a period of a couple of years we we took those 10 yeah. and we condensed them down to four and these are things that we value and then and and there's a behavior were those things that sort of came to the forefront from the 10 that you sort of saw that dominated and and condensed again this and this are similar so we can bring that together yes and that's what we saw is like okay these these two are very similar these three are kind of in a category that, right. of this that we could put into a simple phrase and 
and memorable as portable. So, you know, so we right. wanted to make it as memorable <laughs> as possible. It's easier to remember four than it is to remember 10. Uh, it's easier to remember 10 than it is to remember 50, right? So there's lots of things we could value, lots of things we could do. But what is really, really, really important uh, to us and I think the value in doing it the way that we did, we, we did it over time. So it, it we're thinking about this, we're, we're talking about it. Um, and I think by doing it as a group, rather than me doing it as the leader and coming into the, into the organization and saying to everybody, this is the, this is the culture, everybody fall in line. You can do it that way. And it may or may not work if you're, if you're a small business and you can establish that and you, you, everyone you hire from, from then on in, you're going to train in that way. You're going to hire according to that behavior that you want, what you're looking for. That's good. But as it grows pretty soon, you, you can't control all the hires and, and, and the training is, is right because you're looking for a distinct skill. And sometimes you're like, we need this need met within the company. So does this skill override your concern about culture and you sort of see how it goes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause the, I mean, at the end of the, at the bottom is still that you need this job to get done and yes. done well. Yes. Right. I find it easier. It's a great question. I find it easier to train someone in skill than to train them in culture. I know. <laughs> I think, I think we can, we can bring somebody. So if I was to, you know, if, if someone has high skill, but bad culture. Yeah. Man, it's tempting because you're going, that person really could add the skill. It's also, I've seen many, many companies, many organizations, many churches make that mistake of hiring somebody with high yes. skill and bad culture. The temptation is there the because especially there. when you're growing and if you're growing quickly, you you are looking for someone you're hoping to not have to put time into, right? But we've definitely found that to be true is that you can train and teach a skill, but yeah, if the culture's not there and they don't fit in, uh, they won't stay. Right. And so, so then the I, time I, is wasted after, anyways. Yeah. Abs- after 25 years of, of, of running your business, you're, I'm sure you've made those hires. And, and I guarantee you that the hires that you regret making are probably ones that were a bad cultural fit more than they were a bad skill fit. fit. Yeah, right. absolutely. <laughs> Which we all fall into that temptation. So I would, I would rather take somebody that fits our culture, but I, but is lacking in the skill. We can train in that area, then take someone that's high skill, and and we're gonna have to train in culture. Yeah. I think we make the mistake of of thinking that we can, that we can train. There's some culture that we can teach. Um, yes, there's yeah. some behaviors that we can teach, and this is the way we do things around here. Um, but there's some attitudes. Uh, a lot of that, the behaviors are. Um, sparked by an attitude and sometimes I mean attitudes are as you know are much more difficult to to teach and there's a difference between someone going through a season and whether it being an overriding issue in their attitude or situation right yeah but I found um, as the company grows as the organization grows as our church grew I found it more beneficial to have a group of leaders uh, our core leaders design on purpose the culture yeah. together because um, we heard this recently at, at you know, my good friend Brandon Stewart who was on the podcast mm-hmm. um, 
he was just here and he was training our staff and he he had the idea of the first follower and and he said something that i thought that's really good he said he says everyone gets inspired by the leader or the boss but they follow the first followers yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's that's Good. really, really good. So in other words, what he's saying is that you know, we can have the vision and they're inspired by our vision as leaders, yeah. but they're going to behave most like yeah. the the people closest to to us. So the first followers, the people on our staff, right. our core leaders. So if that's the case, then culture is really designed. Yeah. Not so much or controlled, not so much. I I think our job as leaders is to is to police the culture and make sure it's on culture but i think what's even more important is that we're really got to we really have to make sure that the behavior of those we promote those that are closest to us the their behavior is more vital to the organization than than anyone else because people the, the staff the team are going to most emulate their behavior more right. so than even than even ours because technically they'll spend more time with the followers than they will with the leader as the organization grows right yeah right so so with that i think by one of the the benefits of what we did by designing the culture with our core team was was they were passionate about it because they were and they did it and were passionate about policing it because they helped design it yes and they and they helped choose it and they said this is what's valuable to us and it was it was stuff that was valuable to me and uh, as well and we pushed it through and, and all this kind of stuff and i did you know i did steer some of the conversation but i did my best to hold back and and you know and, and pulled things out happen. and let it happen but was i found that what they valued was what i valued but because they were part of the designing part of it when it came to the implementation part of that i found that they were the best um, police of that. So if someone stepped out of line, they would right. say, yeah, we, we don't do that here. Like we don't do it that way. Uh, we, we actually do it. do it this way. And it was more powerful for them to, to do that. Right. Than it was even for, and just for different, right? right? It's a different kind of come along. We do it like this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you, I mean, you know, as, as I'm sure as well as I do that, um, when we walk into our organization, everyone perks up, the behavior changes. And when we leave, if it changes and it goes to something different than when we're in the building, um, that's culture. Yeah. Right? That's behavior. Its own. It's its own, it's its own thing. And that's not the reality because we don't want it to be that way. So what we need, really need to do is that, that yeah, culture, Yeah, you don't want people acting the part. You actually want it to be them acting out what it is they desire most for the culture to be. Yes. So that they're uh, authentic to it or true to it. Yes. Is that, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know when I, I started, like, uh, we started coming a couple of years after you'd been here, mm -hmm. and then I started volunteering, and then I was invited to the leadership um, training uh, days, and I know that I I wanted to believe, it was so good, and I just wanted to believe it so <laughs> much, right? And But I wanted to give it time to see if it was actually if you guys as a group were walking it out, you know, and I was so impressed. And 
I brought a lot of what you were teaching at the leadership training to my son and my husband also because there was, um, really more say different than a book where a book is like, this is what we do, you know, and, and, you know, you read something about Apple and where your, your attitude is a little bit like, well, it's Apple. Right. Right. Um, so they're great ideas, but how do you get there Mm -hmm. where you were doing a lot more of exactly what we just talked about transitioning from a vision, you know, into what those actually look like in culture. And because, yeah, when you have a hundred things listed, that this is the vision of what we desire and what we want, the translation into culture is difficult, right? Uh, For people to just relate to, right? And then adopt and because there's just too much there kind of thing. And so I just found your teaching so more of that, this is how we can get there. This is what it looks like more. Um, And, you know, and the narrowing of it, you know, that, um, that we changed a mission statement really more into like the culture that we want and the things we want people to feel when they come into our business. And, you know, and that really we want all employees to feel like family, you know, in that they can come to us with anything and, uh, and ask anything that yeah. we're not unapproachable right. and, uh, and that there's no question that you can't ask. Right. Right. And so I, I just want to thank you for that because it you for sure brought it to a level where it was like to a breaking down of it, how to get from a vision statement or a mission statement, which is what you said years ago, that sort of was the thing, that right? Yep. Yeah. But when you didn't arrive then, you know, you felt like there was a failure to arrive at your vision and and for that to be a reality. You weren't sure why you didn't get there, but really the answer is culture, right? You weren't arriving at those things because culture, it wasn't being carried through. Right. And maybe a bit of a gap between what, so if integrity is one of your things, what you think integrity is and what they are bringing integrity to, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, what you've highlighted there is is you you saw part of the process, and I think there's, I think what uh, what I misunderstood early on in my leadership. This is the third church that I've pastored, and I think the mistakes that are made in the first two I learned from um, in in many ways. Where I the first church I was all vision all the time, and. And that's that was natural to me, so I, that's what I did, and then realized that and business culture was that it was vision. It and, was vision, vision, yeah, vision. Yeah, yeah. And then realizing that I, you know, I'd look behind as a leader and going, "No one's following. Why aren't they following me? What's wrong with them?" And then blaming them and not realizing, okay, there's something more powerful at play here than just having the right vision. And so the when it didn't work, why yeah, you're not arriving there, right? And it's the reason why I, you know, I blamed and I looked and said, "Well, they're not following. It's their fault." And then the second thing, I was like, well, maybe it's just the wrong vision. So then I changed vision. Yeah. And and they still wouldn't follow. And then it, the more I changed vision, the more, the less followed. And, and I was the like, three or four that were getting the vision <laughs> just went, he just changed. He what just is going changed. on? What's going on? Yeah. And then realized, wait, vision is good and it's important to know where you're going, but culture is better. Yeah. And understanding yeah. that. So when I came here to this church, I one of the things that I realized is a, is a very established organization. It's been here, you know, it was had been here for thirty plus years before I got here. 
Um, it was a large organization and, and in different ways. And so I thought this, the turn of this, the culture to align with the vision is going to take some time and there's going to be a process and there's going to be training and there's going to, there's going to be a consistent, you're going to have to be consistent and you're going to have to, you're going to have to go step by step to be able to do that, which I think a lot of leaders will read, you know, a book on culture, you know, listen to a podcast like this and going, oh yeah, we got to address our culture. I'm going to go do that right now and then rush out and put together, you know, good culture statements that they read in a book or they heard somebody else say and they saw somewhere else and then inspired them, paste them on the wall and going, we've changed our culture. Yeah. No, <laughs> it does not work that way because culture is behavior. And okay. so each home, yeah. it yeah. takes, you know, as parents, we don't tell our children once and they get it. Like anybody, I don't know if you had luck with that. I never did. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, yeah, we, yeah, absolutely. Look at my kids. Yeah they're, oh, yeah. they're perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just, we said it once and never had to say it again. We like, we, we, right. we yeah, we yeah. just... And that's just not reality. So we know that, and each home has a culture, a, a set of behaviors, a standards of of defining what respect is, or what integrity is, or what all these things. And it's not based on what we say as parents. It's what we do that reflects. And it takes time to shape the culture of the home. It takes time to shape the culture of our of our kids and the behaviors that we value in our kids. We know that intuitively as parents. But then we go into our business. And we're going, well, we put it on the wall. We told the, 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 the staff once they should get it. They should know it. No, it takes time to align the behaviors to your values. Yeah. To, to make sure that the behaviors are, are actually pointing toward the vision that the behaviors we're doing are, are, you know, they're either in the direction of the vision that we've set out or they're the opposite direction. They're pulling us away. Okay, so that's great. So then as a business that exists and and being an older business and coming at it from what feels like from behind in in how do we adapt to this? We love the idea of culture, yeah. you know. Do you recommend then, like obviously, like, yeah, reading the book, slapping them up on the wall, it it's kind of like well-intentioned New Year's resolutions, right? right? If there's not a process there. So do you recommend then coming at it in a slower, more deliberate as, you know, now in your experience, having walked through with the church, bringing in your team and your leader to create that culture? Yes. Not just a fast. No, fast. Culture doesn't work fast and it doesn't yeah. work once. It, yeah. it has to be consistent and it has to be. So what I'd recommend is, is, Every organization, every business, every business leader is has a frustration or a weakness or something that they look at their business and going, we need to be better at or we should be. Right. There's this. a reason why you're saying something needs to change. Something needs to change. So find that one behavior and go, OK, so this needs to change. What behavior could we adopt that is going to have the best outcome to the vision or the aim of what we need to do? better so let's just say in a business thing okay we need to be better at our our customer service our you know our first time represent we need to be better at that so what behaviors do we want to adopt to be to to establish and and what phrase could we put a you know around there and it could be you know you know that is something you can say to yourself that reminds you right yeah. so in, in church okay. world every yep. church says everyone welcome 
Every church says it. The behavior of that doesn't, does, does it, you know, accentuate that value of saying, well, everyone is welcome here. That's what the pastor says. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the pastor says from stage. It's yeah. the behavior that happens in the parking lot, in the, in the foyer and wherever yeah. it might be. It's the interaction with the people that attend. It's the interaction of not just the pastor with the first, it's the interaction with everybody. So in the business world, if we're saying, okay, you know, everyone matters, every customer matters, you know, everyone's valuable, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, then we need to train the behavior of the person answering the phone the first time the salesman having that first interaction the all the rest of it we need to train that behavior that's not going to happen by post you know posting a statement on the wall and saying every everyone welcome every customer matters great example because i think what you're doing as well what i'm getting from it is that you also kind of have to break down old Right. Do we want to call it old culture or old things that people just go, oh, yeah, everyone welcome, right? And their expectation is that that not everyone is welcome. Right. So you have to do it for a long time to change the perception of, no, actually, everybody is welcome here, but that's going to take time. Right. Right. So then the transition, I think, is hard on the team when they have to keep doing the culture, even though they're getting, say, bad responses or backlash to it until people really believe no that's right. really the way they are right. right and and that's true and then it would that also you also bring up a good point where uh culture drifts like just like vision drifts culture drifts so what happens is every customer matters let's take that example every customer matters every interaction matters however you want to say that until that that's great and we're all inspired and we leave the meeting room and going yeah we're going to change our behaviors and we're going to do this and we're going to all the rest of it until you meet that cranky you know um nasty customer who's whose expectation is you're going to treat me bad and so they treat you bad and all the rest of it and and then the you know the inspired the inspired employee answers correctly the first time but if they keep getting bombarded with the negativity from the customers or the, the reactions they don't see it right away Will they naturally drift to becoming better? Or are they going to naturally drift to becoming worse? They, everyone, human, human nature, we all drift to, and we settle back at what we've always done. We just, we're just going to settle back to behaviors, and we're going to go. It's not working. It's you know they don't deserve it. Whatever that it might be, we're going to settle. It's it's too much work. <laughs> you know it's whatever they're going to settle back. That's human nature. So what that means is we or as, they were the exception. They were the exception. Exactly. So what that means is as leaders, especially, you know, our, as leaders, we're guarding that culture. We're continually reinforcing it. We're continually, we're, and, and I think what one way that we really police cultures, there's multiple ways, is that we celebrate what we want repeated. So when it, someone does it well, we use that example, and we this was a perfect example of every customer matters, you know, and this and tell the story, it. and then we correct when somebody doesn't do it well, and, and you, because what we tolerate will become our standard. So therefore, if we tolerate, you know, well, that was an exception. You're right; that customer didn't deserve it. Whatever it might be, whatever we tolerate is going to become our standard. So we need to correct when it's, when there's drift. And they need to do that. And then we need to constantly reinforce and reinvigorate. And it feels like, as a leader, it feels like 
uh, we are repeating ourselves over and over and over again. We're sick of hearing it. We think that they're sick of hearing it. But virtually every uh, volunteer meeting that we have, virtually every staff meeting that we have, we are bringing up now one of the four cultures and we, we bring it up and we expand on it and we talk yeah. about it. And it's like, well, we know this, we know this, we know this. No, 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 because it has to be constantly driven. Because We don't know it because we're not doing it 100% of the time. Right, because culture is behavior. Be- behavior happens by default and by design, and and good behavior yeah. has to be trained. Bad behavior, I don't, this is, again, let's go back to the parenting thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have to teach our children to misbehave or to be lazy or to not do all the rest. We, we have to teach them to be respectful. We have to teach them work hard. We have to teach them to, like, we have to train them. We have to train them in the good behavior. We've never had to train children to be bad. I've never had to, I don't know. (laughs) But we have to train them to be good. In the same way as as employers, we need to constantly be training the good behavior that we want because the default is going to be to drift into, it's just good enough. Okay, so in cultural correction, I suppose, okay, as I'm thinking, I'm just thinking out loud here. There's instances where it needs to happen in private. Mm -hmm. And then, but say you bring it up like in training like that, you're obviously addressing a drift maybe that you're seeing. And so then there's a general correction, right? right? Um, Yeah. So could we talk a little bit about cultural correction in your experience, right? Because I... I mean, anyone in leadership, I'm sure you've made mistakes mm-hmm. in there. And and uh, so, did, yeah, I guess just talk about yeah. that a little bit. You're in your experience of cultural correction uh, and even in the responses to cultural correction. Yeah. Like good signs and bad signs. Yeah, there's there's multiple ways to, to correct culture. Again, a great question. Uh, there's multiple ways to correct culture. The most effective way I found is when our first followers or the, those in the exec team or those closest to us will, or you know, your your team leads, your department leads, will you know correct and saying that's not how we do things around here. One on one, kind of pull them aside and saying, I know we did this and I understand that, but that's not how we do things around here. We do it this way. That is off. That one on one is often the most effective. Uh, culture corrector, even more so than just me as the boss going around and, and doing that. So if I see someone in, you know, couple levels down the organization from where I am, and I see a behavior that I don't like, I w- instead of stepping in and, and me correcting at that level, I will go to the team lead and saying, hey, I'm noticing this, I'm seeing this as a drift, this is not how we do things around here, Can you can you address this? I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't want to undermine their authority, and and number two, um, it's also I'm also training them of what to watch for and to correct. And then they're going and th- and going. I've noticed that somebody under your watch is not doing this, and so therefore they're they're going to be more apt to correct that the next time, which is effective. Because the, then they're watching for it, and then you've reinforced that right to watch for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's other times where I notice that there's a drift that happens, uh, and I notice behavior drifts happen in, in society in certain times of year, seasons, where I notice, right, uh, I notice that it's, I often see drift that happens in, for us in Canada in the summertime. 
<laughs> because people get into holiday modes, they get into relaxed mode. It's nice it's, outside. It's, it's nice outside, and so the behaviors drift, and everyone's just in a different different season. And I also noticed that there's a certain season right after Christmas, January, whatever, where people are spent and they're tired and they're all the rest of it. And so in those seasons, if I see an overall drift in our organization, that's when I will do the the team teaching and reinforce. And then when I do the team teaching, it's not a negative. You guys are doing bad. It's hey it's a reinforcement of the behaviors that we want done well so it's right. a very positive coaching kind of reminder vision from the front yeah from the front going hey let's let's yeah, do this yeah. we can do this imagine if we do this um and that's kind of how we can do a, a corporate kind okay. of so those are kind yeah. of the two of the more effective ones that i've i've seen um that's good yeah that that i've seen as far as steering and directing culture man these that's are awesome yeah great <laughs> questions I hope this has been helpful. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to talk culture, and um, I, I thank you so much for for sharing and and being here. And well, thanks yeah. for having me. I could talk all day about this kind of thing, and I appreciate your time and uh, and just pouring into your into your leaders and in your community and in your church. I so appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, Charmaine. Well, wasn't that incredible content? Just like Charmaine, there are many other business owners out there that are trying to grow their organization through the many difficulties that face them. And that's what the Parallel Leaders podcast is for. If you would like to be a part of the conversation on Parallel Leaders, visit parallelleaders.com slash coaching and let us know what keeps you up at night as a business owner as, or as an organizational leader. Also, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share to the Parallel Leaders podcast. Why? Because we never want you to miss an episode of crucial content that could help you grow your organization. We hope to see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Parallel Leaders, where we help you target and evaluate your organization, leadership, or growth department under the microscope of eight growth points to optimize your effectiveness as a leader.